Y'all get ready, because we kind of, like, dove into the deep end with the bonus content. We have been working on this episode for literally, like, what, at least a month? (laughs) At a minimum, honestly. We've been planning it for several months, and we've been actually working on it for about a month. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we can't do this every time. But this is because we love you, and we want you guys to have a great experience, so... Very intensive bonus episode. And it is a beautiful, beautiful start off to spooky season. It's an extra special scary spooky. We had so much fun making this episode and we're very excited to share it with you. I'm so ready. Like, also warning, this is going to be a long one. Um, We've got a lot of stuff to go over today. And... I want to do a disclaimer. For some reason, my I'm whistling when I talk. I don't know why. <laughs> so I'm sorry if my s if I sound like a woodchuck or a gopher with my my whistling s's. She whistles while she works. <laughs> I don't know why. Like it's my actual speech, and I don't know what's changed about my speech. So I'm well, very sorry. At least you can whistle. I cannot. I cannot whistle. I'm sorry. It is not a talent I <laughs> was bestowed. <laughs> I've tried my whole life. Oh, <laughs> Cannot. Maybe someday. I know, it's okay. Maybe someday. <laughs> so, if you haven't been able to tell from the title, we are covering the Bell Witch. Woo! So, we have several things in store for you this episode um should we prepare the listeners or should we just dive on in well i think we should give a little sneak peek into later so kind of what the general thing will look like is i'll go over the history of the the story we'll talk about the bell family um emily is going to talk about our experience we went to the bell farm um yeah and had a cool experience and then after that we got to interview a very special person um and so we're going to include that interview at the very end of the episode and we're so excited (laughs) we got to interview someone you guys (laughs) we're like professional (laughs) non-professionals we're ill-equipped professionals (laughs) we're ill-equipped professionals (laughs) it's what we do best (laughs) Okay. Fake it till you make That's it. That's what we do. Baby. We literally said right before we started recording, we're just going to wing it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we live our lives. Honestly, honestly. All right. All right, Morgan. Ready to get started. Take it away with some history. All right. So the story of the Bell Witch is known as America's greatest ghost story. 
The entity known as the Bell Witch affected the lives of not only the Bell family, but everyone that lived in the area and everyone who came to visit, um, which is Robertson County, Tennessee, Adams, Tennessee. That is where the Bell Witch Farm is located to this day. Um, it's still around. It's just changed hands, which we'll get into later. Um, so I read a book that I bought at the Bell Witch Farm called The Bell Witch, A Mysterious Spirit by Charles Bailey Bell, M.D. He is the great-grandson of John Bell, uh, who is the patriarch of the Bell family at this time. Most of my information is going to be from this book, and I also found a website called bellwitch.org, I believe it's called. Let me double-check really quick. Yeah, www.bellwitch.org. It's run by a guy named, I wrote his name down. Where did I write it down? Pat Fitzhugh. He's been researching the Bell Witch for like more than 30 years. Um, He has some skepticism to the book and most of the books that have been written. So, I mean, this entire thing, you know, take, you will get out of it what you will if you believe in the spooky paranormal then you'll get a really cool ghost story and if you just think it's an interesting mythology you can get that out of it um even on his website he said his opinion on the truth of the bell witch flips back and forth depending on his research um so i'm just going to tell it like it has been written and recorded and i'll also put in like little bits and pieces that pat fits you talked about on his website Um, so the book that I read is mostly stories from the family. Again, it was written by John Bell's great-grandson, who was actually a doctor in the Nashville area. And the book was written in 1934. So if you want to read this book, it was very interesting, but warning, there is some vocabulary in this book that is uncomfortable to read. Oh. Um... Because it, so included in the story, just so you guys know, and I will be talking about it, the Bell family owned slaves because this was in the early 1800s. Slaves, unfortunately, were a thing. Um, And the vocabulary in this book uses some language towards these enslaved people that is not considered appropriate today. Um, and also writes their dialogue in a kind of offensive dialect, um, mm. which I think was pretty typical at the time, like in the early 20th century. Still hate it. it it's, I mean, I think it's inappropriate, but it yeah. was pretty typical to convey that kind of vernacular in a written context. Um, so just so you guys know, I will be talking about some of the enslaved people that lived on the farm, some of their stories, because they also experienced the Bell Witch. Um, And I will be using the term slave. Again, don't condone it. Don't agree with it. (laughs) Just telling it like it is. Unfortunately, it was just a thing that happened um, that fortunately is... Is no longer. Yes. People don't own slaves anymore, fortunately, in the United States. Let's begin. So, um, in the preface of the book, Charles Bell wrote that his family hated the use of the term witch. Um, They 
Because that implies a corporeal being, like a person like doing magic tricks Mm -hmm. or spells or whatever. So they use the term spirit because they could never see the entity that was plaguing them for so long. And that was more descriptive of the entity the Bell family encountered. Um, Charles also mentioned in the preface that no one really talked about the events at the Bell farm, like afterwards. Um, He really had to piece together accounts from his different family members throughout the course of his life. Um, Like his great grandfather didn't really talk. Well, he never met his great grandfather. Um, His grandfather never really talked about it. His he only told his, his son, who was the author's father, like one time he was like, I'm telling you now, so you better get it because I'm not telling you again. Um, Like his his aunts and uncles were very, very tight lipped about the whole thing. Um, And then the youngest Bell son, Richard William Bell, Richard Williams Bell, he published a book that not everyone agreed with, even within the Bell family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Charles said that he just kind of selected pieces from Will. Richard Williams's book and put in his book. Okay. All right. So that's just the preface. Um, let's get started with the Bell family. So the patriarch of the Bell family was John Bell. He was born in 1750 in Halifax County, North Carolina. He was a son of a very successful farmer. Their lineage goes back way, way back in England. Um, in 1782, he married Lucy Williams, who was the daughter of John Williams. They lived in Edgecombe County, North Carolina. John bought a farm in Edgecombe County and created a good amount of wealth. Again, part of that wealth included him being a slave owner. And the author wrote how this is one of the ways the Bell family was very wealthy and successful. They lived on the farm in North Carolina for 22 years, and the Bells then had six children. Um, They moved to Robertson County, Tennessee, and bought a thousand acres of land in the area where the current farm is today. Uh, One thing in the book I thought was interesting was that at the end of the day, working on the farm, John Bell would invite his friends and the enslaved people on the property, and they would all drink whiskey together and just having a good time. And the whiskey was made on the farm. They had a private spring that they would use to make their own whiskey. That sounds like a good time. Yeah. Also, if you didn't know, you have to have a spring to make whiskey. I learned that when I got to tour the Jack Daniels distillery they have their own private spring anyway so in total the bells had nine children um so they and i actually i wrote down i'm gonna skip to the end because i wrote down like birth like everyone and their the day the year they were born the year they died and they're about age Um, so i'm just going to say it now because i'm about to list everyone so john bell um was born in 1750. He died in 1820 at the age of 70. Lucy Bell, his wife, was born in 1768. She died in 1837 at the age of 69. Jesse, the oldest son, was born in 1790, uh, died in 1843 at the age of 53. They did have a son, Benjamin, who died in infancy. Um, their next oldest son, Drury, um, or Drew, uh, born a Before 1792, his exact birth year wasn't given, and he died in 1862, and he was about 70 when he died. John Jr., um, who is Charles Bell's grandfather, um, he was born before 1792, died 1862, so he was about 
70 as well. Esther was the oldest daughter. Uh, she was born in 1800, died in 1859, the age of 59. They had a son named Zadok, who was born in 1803, and he died in 1826 at the age of 23 due to yellow fever. Um, oh. Elizabeth was born, to, or Betsy, uh, she was born in 1806 and died in 1888 at the age of 82. She's actually the longest living Belle, which is very ironic considering what she went through, which I'll go into. Uh, Richard Williams um, was born in 1811, died in 1887 at the age of 76. And Joel, born in eight, he's the youngest, born in 1813, died 1890 at the age of 80. So all, most of the Bell family did live to at least their 70s. A couple died in their 50s and two died pretty young. Um, but the ones that survived to adulthood lived pretty happy, successful lives for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You realize, if you do, like, quick math, his youngest was born when he was, like, in his early 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was only six when he died. And his wife was 18 years younger than mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So. <laughs> the the seventeen eighteen hundreds. I like, oh. You okay? She was having kids in her 40s. That sounds. In the 1800s. Stressful to me. <laughs> With all of this going that on. That sounds so stressful to yeah. me. Oh my God. Um. Okay. So let me jump back to where I was. So, uh, the spirit moves in. So, according to Charles, about 15 years after the Bells moved to the farm, John Bell was walking in the orchard when he saw a strange-looking dog-like animal. He shot at the creature, and it disappeared. Soon afterwards, Drury and Betsy started seeing weird creatures and people on the property. Noises started up in the cabin. It started quietly at first, but then became really intense. So it started with like little tapping, knocking noises, and then it got really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, like covers were ripped off and all that stuff. Um, and this last and how long had they lived in the house when about this happened? fifteen years, twelve to fifteen years. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the noises themselves lasted for about a year. And it was completely unexplainable. No one knew why it was happening. Um, so this is a quote from the book. Quote, The sounds in the bedroom appeared to be such as would be heard if the beds were suddenly and roughly pulled apart, to which was added fighting dogs chained together, making a noise most deafening and exciting. When lights were flashed upon the scene, the noises ceased, and not a thing out of the way could be seen, or had any damage been done to the furniture. End quote. Um, so around this time... John Bell started getting ill. His tongue and throat started becoming swollen, and he had a really hard time chewing and swallowing. Um, The author, who again is a doctor, said this may have been a nervous system disease. Um, He was actually, Charles Bell was an expert on the brain and the nervous system. Um, But the illness was attributed to the happenings going on in the spirit. Yeah. Um, so one night, John Bell asked if his friends could come stay over, and they got it real bad from the spirit. Their blankets were stripped off of them, and everyone could hear a mocking laugh. So this is the first time they actually heard the entity speak or laugh. 
Wow. Um, and then other friends of John would try to come over to help, and they all had a very similar experience. So the first time the Bell family heard the spirit speak, it was an exact impersonation of the first friend that had come over. He was a preacher, and it like completely impersonated the prayer that he said exactly um, in his voice. And they were oh. like, uh, okay. Don't like yeah, that. Yeah, and it did that a lot. Um, and then the spirit started, was very, like, you couldn't get it to shut up. Um, the spirit would speak scripture to anyone that would engage with it. It prayed, it sang hymns, and people from all over the world would travel to the Bell Farm to experience this entity. Um, but no one could really figure out what, what it was. Like, it lied a lot. Um, so the bells were trying to figure out what it was. Eventually one day it said, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. Immediately after the spirit began talking, it asserted that it would remain and continue worrying John Bell, finally killing him, never explaining or giving any reasons for this dislike. So once it manifested, it really targeted John Bell and Betsy. Um, which I'll get into later, and no one really knows why. Um, according to Richard Williams, who is the second youngest son, uh, John Bell had come upon a Native American burial ground on the farm. Drew, Drury and his friend Corbin Hall went up to investigate and try to find valuables among the graves. Drew took a jawbone home, and this pissed off John Bell. He was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and he had someone go return the jawbone, but it did not stop the spirit shenanigans. Um, and like the story was saying that like he threw the jawbone against the wall and a tooth fell out and John Bell was freaking out and he was trying to find the tooth and he couldn't find it. And then the spirit was like, ha ha, there was no tooth. I just wanted to torture you. Um, it was very, it was very sassy. So, John Bell and his children, so, Joel, Betsy, and Richard Williams, who were the three youngest of the Bells, received the worst of it and were physically assaulted regularly. They were slapped, their hair was pulled, usually slapped in the face, and they would have, like, red marks on their cheeks ah. that looked like hands. Um, and it was relentless. Um, and if anyone came in and doubted the spirit or tried to scientifically prove the phenomena, they would be physically assaulted as well and would get it even worse. Oh my god. Um, on the flip side, the spirit absolutely adored Lucy Bell, the, the wife, and called her, quote, the most perfect living woman. It also physically spared John Jr., um, but would verbally spar with him and even tell him secrets that it didn't tell anyone else. And I think Jesse, John Jr., no, Jesse and Esther were out of the house because they had gotten married already. So they weren't living there. Oh, uh, okay. They still experienced it, but they weren't in the home. Um, so Lucy was very kind to the spirit and it treated her with kind, quote unquote, kindness in return. So Pat Fitzhugh on his website was talking about, like, why were John Bell and the three youngest children abused so badly, and it didn't appear to abuse John Jr. or Lucy Bell. And he said that it was likely emotionally abusing them because they were kind of just forced mm. to watch it attack them. And the more they, like, pleaded for the spirit to not hurt them, it did it even worse. 
Um, so it got to the point where they couldn't even try to help. Wow, what a what a narcissist! Spirit. I know it's very rude and like very cruel. Um, yeah, and he also notes that's interesting. The spirit was mostly focused on an old man and a prepubescent girl when all of this started, and brought them the most suffering. Like, they were arguably two of the most vulnerable people in the household, and it targeted them specifically. Um, In 1820, Lucy became very sick with pleurisy. I don't know if I said that right, but it's an inflammation of the membrane that surrounds the lungs. Um, And the spirit was very worried about her. It was, it never left her side. It talked to her constantly, um, even to the point where she's like, I need to rest. Mm-hmm. It bossed other people around to try to help her. And then one day it started manifesting hazelnuts and grapes to fall down from the ceiling um, to feed her. And she started feeling better and eventually recovered. Magic hazelnuts. And grapes, yeah. From the ceiling. And people Magic. were like, where did those come from? They even like went upstairs to see if there was like a hidden hole or anything. And no, it was solid wood floor. Magic ceiling, nuts, and grapes. Um, Like I said earlier, people's voices were perfectly impersonated verbatim. It could... That's so creepy. The spirit would repeat sermons from earlier in the day when the pastors were present in the home. um, It would mimic the voices of, like, people's family members that were visiting the estate. Um, One story, Charles says, it impersonated the voices of an Englishman's mother and brother exactly like, he came in to, like, investigate it, and it imitated his mother and brother, who were still in England, perfectly. Oh, my God. Yeah. How does it know? <laughs> but that it was, like, that was what convinced a lot of people. Um, and then it would, like, tap. Like, I didn't write this down, but it was repeated a lot in the book. It tattled. Like, <laughs> it would tell everyone, everyone else's business, and even their thoughts. So, like, you had to be, like, the perfect person or it would tell on you to the person you're talking shit about. Just in the community. Not even within the bell home, but just in the community. So petty. It's very petty. (laughs) Oh, it's a mean girl. Um... So this is a story, and Pat Fitzhugh says that this has not been documented anywhere. There's there's not a written account of this, but this is a story from the Bell family. Andrew Jackson, when he was still a general, made a visit to the Bell home. Apparently, Jackson and John Jr. knew each other from the War of 1812, um, but John Jr. wasn't at home when Jackson came to visit. So John Sr. invited the general's party into the home, and with the group was an apparent, quote-unquote, witch tracker. That was like, there's no ghost here. Um, And then he was summarily physically tortured by the spirit and was run out of the house. And Jackson thought that was the funniest shit he had ever seen. You know, I probably would have laughed too. Like, that's what you get for talking shit. (laughs) You you could not talk shit around the spirit because it would torment you. You'd be like, oh, you talk shit. Yeah. Do you think Davy Crockett was with him? Because he was fighting under Andrew Jackson. (laughs) At the time? I don't... Not at this time. Um, it was Damn. not active wartime at this time. Um, this was in, like, the 1820... No, like, the late 18... 
teens, like 18, 16, 18, 17, 18, 18. Um, okay. I think that was the time between him getting elected. I just thought it'd be funny. Just the that thought really of funny. like Dav- Davy Crockett and Andrew Jackson showing up to fight the bell witch. That, that would be very funny. Um, and Pat Fitz, he said he's trying to find the diary of his right hand man. It's just, it costs a lot of money and he's doing everything out of pocket. So he's like, I haven't found it yet, but one day. So next, Richard Williams, who again is the the youngest, second youngest son. um, His written account is in the book. And he tells of an incident of a man named William Porter. Uh, Porter was a really good friend of the Bell family and he lived alone. One night he was in bed, snuggled up sleeping. He heard this spirit saying it was getting in bed with him and then rolled up. It like lifted the covers and then rolled them all up and like took them off of him. And then he was like, I, I see my chance. I'm going to burn the witch. So he grabbed like the roll of blankets from his bed and went to go throw it in the fire, um, in the fireplace. But as he got closer, the bundle got heavier and heavier and, a very foul odor came from the bundle of blankets and it ended up getting so bad that he had to drop what he was holding and run outside for fresh air. It was like, I literally cannot be in here for another second. Um, And when he came back, nothing was wrong. The blankets were on the floor, but there was no smell, no spirit. That was it. That's so weird. weird. So this next story, it was not in the book. I found it on the website. Um, just more just context. It's not really about the spirit so much, but just about providing context to the family. So the book really gives John Bell like this very esteemed, I don't know, like it was very like he was a great man. He was wonderful. He never did anything wrong. But at one point he was excommunicated from the local church, um, which was not mentioned at all in the book. And it was for a silly reason, honestly. But this event takes place between 1816 and 1818. It was drama revolving the sale of a slave. I apologize in advance. Um, So apparently John bought, it's horrible to say out loud, John bought a young girl that was owned by this man named Benjamin Batts. But Batts never gave Belle the girl and eventually wanted to resell her for a higher price. Ugh, I hate, I hate saying this out loud. Ugh. Uh, um, it ugh. makes me nauseous, like, saying it out loud. Like, just the purchase and selling of another human being. Um, so John said fine, but Bats would have to give him $150. And again, this is, like, in the 1800s, so it's probably a, yeah. a ton of money. And he only bought her for $100. So Bats gave him $120. And Bell's like, that's fine. But then Bats turned around and sued John Bell for ursery or charging excessive interest. The court, when he went to court about it, he they found Bell guilty. And then the church excommunicated Bell for covetousness. Oh. So. Honestly, if, if that's why the church excommunicated him, the church has bigger issues on their plate. And that's being okay with slavery. Yeah, but not too high of interest. Too high of interest is a crime. Ugh. So, 
Um, so this next section is stories from different enslaved people that live on the property that experience this. Um, so there's this one boy that was living there named Harry. Uh, Harry said his experience with the spirit included being beaten with kindling for getting a late start to setting the fire. At one one time, um, it told him to go over to a family of the Bells to start their fire. Um, they were all sick. And it was like, go over and light their fire. And he did. And he also said how neighbors would go over to the Bell Farm to hear predictions for the weather and when to start planting or harvesting crops. Because we could, like, predict things. A man named Willis. I couldn't find out if he had been a slave. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably very likely, if not by the Bell family, then by another family in the area. But Willis was a friend of the Bell family who was taught how to read and write by the author's father. Um, and eventually became a preacher. He told Charles that the black workers living on the farm were vehemently targeted by the spirit. Like, it hated them. And I'm not going to repeat what was written in the book because it is honestly really awful. But it it hated them. So it was a racist spirit. And the the slaves called the spirit a witch. They're the ones that kind of gave, gave it the witch title. And they didn't like the witch either. They were like, no, we want to stay away. Like, we don't want it to come anywhere near us. Yeah. It, we're terrified of it. Um, and Willis mentioned how one man, Dean, was... And Dean comes up in, like, the mythology of it. He was specifically targeted by the spirit. Um, and often on his way home to his wife, who lived on a different farm, um, his clothes would be torn apart by the spirit by the time he got home. Oh, my God. Um, a woman named Ibby, uh, she was Dean's sister-in-law. Um, who told the author that the spirit taunted Dean. Another story, this is told by Ibby and Willis, um, had Dean helping a stranger with his horse, and the stranger said it didn't believe he didn't believe in the spirit, who then began taunting the stranger, and it told him to hold on tight, and the horse began bucking around until the man fell off, and he had to recuperate inside the house. Oh my god. You can't say you don't believe in the spirit, because it will make you believe in the spirit. No. No. I bet you're going to learn today. <laughs> Um, and I have a section for Dean. Dean didn't, he must have not been alive when this was written or the author may not have known him, but, uh, several stories of Dean were in the book, but one story was that Dean frequently encountered the spirit, like I said, and sometimes in the form of a dog who could have one head, two heads or no head. Um, only one of those is the correct amount of heads. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, scary. Um, and then just one more way that the the spirit was just really cruel and racist. Um, apparently, the spirit was present at every baptism that occurred on the property by the black community in the local creek. Um, and it would antagonize them. And like even tell the, the preachers or the pastors, like, hold him under for a little while longer. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> um, or join in on the worship. It would sing songs and like recite scripture. So, could you imagine like singing songs and then you hear someone to your left singing and there's like no one? It's, I mean, standing it's like a disembodied voice that the entire like area can hear. Like, it's, it's really crazy. And it's not like this is 2023 where we have microphones and drones and all this other technology. Their technology was a horse-drawn carriage. Like, they 
didn't have anything that would do yeah, that. Yeah, they didn't even have the record player or the radio at this time. There were a lot of reported eyewitness accounts, though. Like, again, like, it wasn't just the Bell family. It was the entire community. You know, that makes it more credible, I feel, that more people experience things. Because, like, if one person experiences something, even my own stories, I'm like, you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah. Did your brain make that up? I like that. You sure about that? (laughs) You sure about that? (laughs) So next we're getting into the torment of Betsy Bell. Because she she really got it. So Betsy was 12 years old when the spirit made its appearance in the Bell home. So again, she's a young girl and it viciously targeted her and no one really knows why. And the more that the family tried to protect her, the worse she got it. So when Betsy was growing up, she was best friends with a boy named Joshua Gardner. They eventually fell in love and they were like super, super in love with each other. But the spirit was completely against them getting together. Um, It got so bad that even though Joshua was ready to do whatever it meant to be with Betsy, she refused to marry him because she didn't want him to be subjected to the cruelty of the spirit and for their lives to be ruined. That's so sad. It's so sad. To get some reprieve from the spirit, Betsy would try to go to neighbors' houses, but it followed her there. Richard Williams said that early in the haunting, Betsy would have incidents where she had trouble breathing for several minutes at a time. But there was no explanation of this as she'd previously been healthy. Like, no breathing problem, so likely wasn't asthma or anything. Um... But as she got older, the occurrences happened less and less. So, there were some times the spirit was kind to Betsy. Um, On her birthday, it gave her tropical and exotic fruits. Just manifested them. On another day, it saved her from a storm. So, there's that. What a complicated entity. That's a good word, complicated. It was very complicated. Um, So after her father died, the spirit started treating Betsy better and would regale her with stories of life overseas and different cultures. Um, Betsy started becoming her old self again. But when she and Joshua Gardner rekindled their romance and began discussing marriage, the torture started up again. Uh, They canceled their engagement. Joshua moved to West Tennessee and they never saw each other again. And the spirit was delighted that they broke up. Betsy then married her old school teacher. Richard Powell, who was many years older than her. Ew. Yeah. So he died 17 years after they got married, but apparently, by all accounts, their marriage was happy, uh, and they were not tormented by the spirit. And then, like I said, Betsy passed away in 1980, or 1890, sorry. She was 180 years old when she died. Um, <laughs> so next, I'm going to the torment of John Bell. So, like I said earlier, the spirit had a marked dislike for John Bell. And he was called Old Jack by the spirit. Um, Usually in a mocking tone. As said earlier, he began having problems with his mouth, throat, and jaw. And sometimes couldn't eat or speak for an entire day. And usually when when it ended, he would be fine. Like, he could go about life just as normal. And then he would get into a fit again. Um, he then started having like full fits, like his face would record, contort, um, his skin would twitch. Um, many people asked who the spirit was and it always lied until a preacher that was a friend of the bells asked, 
like he he asked it and the spirit was like i can't lie to a preacher um it admitted it was old kate bats witch and was determined to torture old jack until he died so kate bats was an eccentric neighbor who lived on the road but no one believed that this was kate bats doing um not even the bells yeah she was generally a kind she was a generally kind person and even pat fitzhugh was like no no one believes it was kate bats so over time the attacks continued to get worse and worse for john they would last a few days and once john was confined to his home for six days after he suffered a severe attack and the entire time he was stuck at home the spirit verbally abused him severely so one day he was starting to feel better so he tried to walk outside with richard williams but his shoes kept getting torn off his feet uh john began to convulse again and he sat down to rest um, John and Richard Williams were subjected to shrieks and screams that were deafening, and John was getting punched in the face by an invisible entity. Um, Richard wrote that when the noises subsided, tears were streaming down John's face, and he told Richard Williams that he would not be able to survive the abuse from the spirit much longer. Um, when he finally got back to the house, it would be for the last time. For several weeks, John's condition got worse and worse. Lucy took care of him the best she could, but the spirit continued to verbally abuse John as he got sicker and sicker. December 19th, 1820, John could not be awakened from his bed. John Jr. went to the medicine cabinet uh, to get his medicine for him, and all that was there was a vial with a cloudy liquid in it. All of John Sr.'s medicine was missing. The spirit loudly proclaimed it had given John the contents of the vial. The family tested it on a cat, and it died within minutes. John never woke up oh my God. and ended up passing away December 20th, 1820, the next day. The spirit was silent until after John was buried, and it began singing drinking songs. Uh, yeah. So, the abuse... The poor cat! I know. The abuse the family experienced from the spirit was greatly diminished after John died. And a few months later, it told Lucy that it would be gone for the next seven years, and then it would return. Um, so one thing, one myth, or one thing that's told pretty frequently with the retelling of the Bell Witch was that the entity tortured Betsy and John Bell specifically because John Bell was sexually abusing Betsy. Pat Fitzhugh writes that there is no evidence that this ever happened. John is not alive to defend himself. He thinks the abuse allegations are really only present to increase the drama of the story. Right. But there's there's no absolutely no evidence that it happened. There's nothing written anywhere. The family hasn't said that it happened. So no one can know for sure if it happened or if it didn't. I mean, you don't want to spread lies. In, about. I mean, that's a very serious allegation. If it did happen, that's horrible and it's awful. And Betsy was doubly victimized. Um, very unfairly. Like, if it's true, then she is double victimized, which is awful. And I can't even imagine going through that. Yeah, horrible. Um, but again, there's no documentation or evidence saying it did. Um, right. So, getting towards the end here, um, the spirit returns. So, like it said, after seven okay. years... It did come back. The only people still living in the Bell home were Lucy, Joel, and Richard Williams. Everyone else had gone on to do their own thing, living on their own property. 
Um, Richard Williams said that it returned in the same way it had before. It started with scratching noises, knocking, ripping covers off. It never, to him, it never returned in the same capacity as it had inhabited them previously. And after two weeks, it left. Um, However, John Jr. reports a different experience. So his account, which I've written here, this is what he said happens. So while it was around, it visited John Jr. It predicted the Civil War and that black slaves would be emancipated. It predicted World War One. It, li- it named a Great War, which yeah. World War One is called the Great War. And it predicted the Great Depression. And it predicted that billions of people would populate the earth. So this is a quote from the book. I just thought it was very interesting. I don't know if this actually was said because this is a pretty big paragraph to recollect. Yeah. Um, but this is from the book. Quote, There will come a time when the food-growing conditions of the world will change. If the world is not restro- destroyed before that time, there will be droughts and floods as in the Bible times. The world will be unfortunate and that there will be no man whose prayers for rains will be answered. If men before that time will heed the warnings of nature and no longer destroy the natural growths, they may continue to reap harvest, but that they will not do. At that time, men will heed nothing but science and finances, and the misery following will be fearful for you to contemplate. How did it... No. <laughs> That's kind of why I included it. I was like, even if it was completely made up, like, that was written in in the... at the latest 1934, when this book was published. <laughs> so. And at the earliest... 18, the late 1800s. Uh, it returned in 1828. Is when it returned wow. to, when John Jr. said it returned to him. So that was, and it was before the Civil War, before all of that. Um, wow. So Pat Fitzhugh says on his website, he highly doubts this account, um, as the predictions wouldn't have been possible with the date of John Jr.'s death. Like, it was misreported. And he thinks even Charles Bell believes it happened on this particular date. But then John Bell actually, John Jr. died on a different date. And he didn't explain how it couldn't be possible. But he was like, he actually died a month earlier than what people think he did. And I don't know. So believe whichever perspective you would like to believe. Um, But he said he believes either Charles Bell made him up or other people made it up. Like the predictions. Um, and then finally, John Bell Jr. told his son that a great global calamity would happen in or around 1935, which is, excuse me, when the spirit said it would return, but he wasn't sure what. He was also told by the spirit that the world would grow too hot for humanity to inhabit before exploding. But no one knows if that... Again, how does he know? (laughs) But no one knows if the spirit actually came back in 1935, because by that time, the cabin was no longer in its original place. It had been torn down before then. Oh. But, and this book was published in 1934, a year before the spirit was supposed to come back. So, no one knows. I bet the... I bet it came back, it, like, popped in, it was just, like... It's like... It's like that video of John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. He's just standing there with his hands on his hips, and he's like... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to try to make that meme. (laughs) Please do. 
The Bell Witch coming back in 1935 and no one's noticing. No one's there. It's just a field now. Where is it? <laughs> Shit. Am I late? I know. So that is the story of the Bell Witch and the Bell family. Again, take with it what you will. I'm just reporting it like I saw it. I don't. It's yep. a very interesting story. It is. And it's a story that I've known, at least I've known, since I was a little kid reading like the scary, I was spooky as a child, but I would read like those scary stories books Mm -hmm. and a story about the Bell Witch was in the same book as the girl with the green ribbon around her neck. Oh, okay. I just think it's funny that something that's supposedly true is in a book that that's completely made Mm -hmm. up you know the other one still really creepy though. yes and i've seen like movies and documentaries and it's a big story yeah i mean again it is the most famous it is the greatest american ghost story and people traveled from around the world to experience the bell witch yeah. So. Well, shoot. In our tour, someone was from Australia. Yeah. He seemed. Still doing terrified. it. Terrified. Was it just me? He did. He could me. barely speak. He was so afraid. I felt really bad for him. I mean, yeah. I was also really scared. So, speaking of which, why don't you, witch, <laughs> why don't you <laughs> talk about our. Which witch? <laughs> experience at the farm. All right. So. A little clarification before we dive into this. So the cave is where the skeletal remains had been found from Morgan's story. And they use this cave as cold storage and dry storage in the, you know, year round. So originally what did they say it was like 220 acres or something like that the current farm is something like that yeah so the original farm was split in half uh you know decades down um the current owners purchased it 30 years ago they bought half the farm so the where the original house sits was not on this property so what they have is you know however many acres plus this cave and this cave is a very big catalyst for what they think might be a lot of the hauntings due to the native american remains being found and disturbed in the in the cave i mean they're like Right there. there, And literally you walk into the first room, there's a hole in the ground in the shape of a rectangle. It's right there. And there's also a Native American burial site that is geographically literally on top of the cave. So there's a hill. That's where the grave is. The cave is underneath the graveyard. Which is super cool and super weird at the it's same very time. very spooky. So, there's also a cabin that is not original to the property, but it is built in the same time frame. 
that the bells had been, you know, living there. I wanted to say poltergeist. <laughs> they were poltergeisted. <laughs> <laughs> the the geist. So those are the three locations that we went to on this paranormal trip is we started out our group at least there were three groups and we rotated throughout the night our group went to the burial grounds first the cabin second the cave third and so let's get into who who we were with so the host paranormal group was uh is black wolf paranormal lead investigators are a wonderful married couple todd and leanne and then they had some of their very close friends, Denise and Ernie Pacman from Pacman Paranormal, come with them. And that was kind of a nice surprise. And uh, Candy is the owner's daughter, and her and her siblings run the cave and the farm now. And she's wonderful. So if you go visit, say hi to Candy. Yeah, she's really great. She's great. So. We're going to get a little woo-woo <laughs> for just a second because we just can't not because we're talking about ghosts. So I wanted to tell y'all about the, the, I put status of people as the title, but like mentally how we were going into this situation. So Shelby and I, uh, Shelby is my sister-in-law. She's wonderful. Shout out Shelby. I swear she's our number one fan. The moment the episode drops, she listens to it on the way to work and then reports back immediately. So shout out Shelby. Shelby. (laughs) But Shelby went with us and her and I both are very open. Um, spiritually. So I feel things. She sees things, which is absolutely horrifying. No, thank you. Absolutely not. Um, Nancy, my beautiful, wonderful mother-in-law, went as well. And then we have, of course, Morgan. And Morgan and Nancy are closed off mentally tighter than Fort fucking Knox. They are like, nope, don't show me shit. So it's funny. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to like, hear I'm it. I'm open-minded, but I'm also like, don't, don't enter me. I'm not a conduit. I'm not a channel. Like, I, I don't <laughs> want to see it. If I see it, I will die on the spot. I cannot do yeah. it. And it's not, it's like Nancy typically is open, but she, she keeps herself very reserved when it comes to these things for, for reasons. And, um, (laughs) I just think it's funny that you're like, yeah, I know it exists, but don't get close to me. Don't you dare. (laughs) Don't, uh, uh, absolutely not. You're like running away and I'm running towards it. Like, woo. Bye. Bye. I'm like, do you. Do you hear that? <laughs> okay. So at the gift shop, there's like a covered porch and they have a TV and they're giving us the rundown of what we're going to do, what to do in situations, what definitely not to do in situations. Highest regard to Pac-Man Paranormal and Black Wolf Paranormal because they do not in any circumstances allow you to interrogate the spirits they do not let you um, antagonize you just in general be mean antagonize that's the word i was trying to say antagonize the spirits you cannot go in there acting like one of these ghost shows being like 
you want to fuck with me? Hey, like, ghost. Ghost, they're not going to let you do that. Yeah, ghost. <laughs> fuck you, ghost. Don't do that. I just don't, told please, you what will happen Christ, if don't. you go in and antagonize the ghost. <laughs> You'll get buck, uh, bucked off a horse. It'll... Yeah, don't. Don't. Um, in any circumstances, anywhere. Do you want to be haunted? Because that's how you get haunted. So we're standing at the gift shop. And when I, you know, when I am feeling things, and I do want it to be known that the entire time if I feel something, in my head I'm like, I'm making this up. There's no way. Unless I have something to validate, I'm like, this is just in my head. I'm at least pragmatic like that. So at the gift shop, we're standing there. And I look off into the distance because the sun's going down like it's almost dark. It's dusk. And I get that like nauseous feeling in my throat that I normally get. Like something or something's over there. And I kind of keep it. I just keep it to myself because Candy's still talking. And I look over at Shelby to tell her something And she just dead looks at me and she goes, there's a man standing next to that barn. And then points to the barn I had just been staring at, keeping it to myself. And I was like, oh, you see it? And she's like, yeah. Do you feel it? And I was like, yeah. But I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to be weird. And then after Candy got done talking, Shelby just walks up and is like, hey, is there anything weird going on with that barn up there? And it is right next to the burial grounds. And Candy said, yeah, we see a man up there all the time. (laughs) Don't they have a name for him? Okay, no thanks. Isn't he the, is that Um, the Watcher or is that another one? The, well, there was the Watcher and the Creeper. And whoever came up with those names can kiss my butt because those are the creepiest names I've ever heard in my life. Could we not? Well, we no, it was, the Watcher was also called the Sniper, wasn't he? I don't know. Swiper, no. The Sniper. No, not Sniper. Swiper, no Swiper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need to. <laughs> swiper, no Swiping. I would have been much less afraid if his name was Swiper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh. So, um,. So right after this whole incident, they um, tell us that <laughs> um, they're like, okay, green group, which was us. We had little wrist. I called this, by the way, they right like, before it happened. I was like, I called. Oh, it. yeah. Morgan straight up called it. But they were like, okay, green group, you're going to the graveyard first. And we're like, right to the barn. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Morgan's like, I bet we go to the graveyard first. <laughs> And that turned out to be where we had the most interesting things happen. I I don't, I'm still just kind of speechless. So a little bit about these burial grounds. So they are from um, around the time of the Trail of Tears. And it is, the land is on the root of the Trail of Tears, which is a big old bummer. I hate that. And on this hill, and it's it's like the peak of a hill, 
and there just happens to be a barn there. It was always said, you know, in the family, there's burials right there. Don't disturb them, whatever. Just leave them be. They're fine. And I didn't get any negative feelings up there, did you? Not until we went to the pond. Yeah, the pond was weird. So we're at the top of this hill and we walk up there and I, we, we start kind of splitting off into these groups. We've got one group doing tarot card readings and we've got another doing the dowsing rods. And if y'all don't know what those are, it's. I've, I've had to explain it a lot. Um, so they're L-shaped rods yes um that you hold Thank in you. your hands um and these dowsing rods i think you could use like sticks potentially but these are free floating in handles so they can co- completely yes. rotate 360 degrees they're very hard to control with your wrist because they like they would just go in a circle in yeah. perpetuity if you let them so the way that they they can be used to find graves running water, electrical lines, I think. Um, so we were just kind of playing with them. Like I had them for a second and I was like walking and I walked over like an existing marked grave that they had found and that they crossed. And then I walked past it and they uncrossed and I was like, ha And then Todd, our tour guide was like, do you want to ask some questions? And I went, nope. <laughs> and I handed, nope. I handed the dowsing rods to another person in our group and he was holding them and Todd was asking some questions and they were, they were moving, but it was very, very, very slow. And it was cross for yes, straight for no. And then, and then, and then I, and then I, I do just want to point out that if you hear me making noises in the background of her explaining that it's because apparently my husband let the cat into the closet mm. and he, poked from around the blanket and put his paw in the middle of you talking about ghosts just tapped me on the leg (laughs) and i think my soul left my body (laughs) and it was just teak teak. (laughs) we're good my my pal teak so um so so I wander into this group because I was kind of standing there with the tarot card readers and I was like, oh, they look like they're doing something fun. So I wandered into the group that Morgan was in and there were what, five of you? Something like that. It wasn't a lot. So I walk up. I see the guy very hesitantly. I mean, the poor man is shaking. Yeah, he's he's literally trembling. (laughs) And he looks so nervous. freaking asks, is there anyone here that you want to talk to? And the rods immediately point to Emily. Like, straight up. I mean, honed in. Instantly. Because this entire time they'd been moving very slow. Like, like almost imperceptibly. And then when he asked that, they just, straight to, straight to Emily. And I literally leaned over. from my perspective, (laughs) from my perspective, I had turned around to look at Shelby and when I looked back, they're pointing at me. And I was like, oh, no. I literally <laughs> leaned over and I was like, it's because you're part Cherokee. <laughs> yeah. There is Cherokee on one side of the family. And there is um, Creek on the other. I think it's Creek. But anywho. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're thinking. So 
we start asking. I, I take them and I'm like, I'm going to have to fake this confidence. Like, you faked it pretty good. <laughs> please don't possess me. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I held them and Todd started asking questions. What were some of the questions that Todd was asking? So they were trying to figure out who was buried there. So they had narrowed it down to right. three different tribes um, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, and the Sioux. So they were trying to, yeah. the, um, using yes, no questions, they were using like the process of elimination to ask those questions. And when Emily took the dowsing rods, they were instant. Like the, if the, the rods crossed, it was instantaneous. And then yeah. Emily would say, thank you. And Todd would say, straighten back out. And they would straighten back out perfectly. You can't do that with these rods. Like, they're too loose in the handles for you to be able to control. Yeah. There's no way, like, even if, like, I feel like I was even wiggling a little bit and they were still you staying were, You true. were trembling a bit. Like, your wrist, I mean, you were you were trembling <laughs> naturally. Yeah. I would not blame you. <laughs> naturally. I don't blame you at all. Um, And we started asking other, a little more personal questions. I think Todd asked, are you male and it didn't cross and then he said are you a female and you know so so we got the impression that we were speaking with a woman a Cherokee woman one of the weirdest a Cherokee woman and one of the weirdest things that happened was naturally I, I feel like naturally the next question would be like are your children here Todd didn't know how to ask that without seeming rude i mean we want to be respectful i didn't know how to ask that without seeming rude i mean as a mother i wouldn't want to be like hey are your dead kids here like so i was thinking it i was like i wonder are your kids here and without a verbal question being asked all mentally they crossed well then todd said, oh, well, she must have asked the question that I was thinking. And at this point, I didn't, I can't read his mind. So I said, well, what question were you thinking? And he said, I was asked, I was wondering if her kids were here. And I was like, I was asking the same question in my head. And it answered it. It was so spooky. It was so weird. Oh my gosh. So spooky. And I think the word, the, the spookiest one of all, was when I was like, hey, I kind of have this question on my gut and I want to ask it. And he's like, okay. And I said, do you know me? And it hit my, it crossed so hard it hit my hands on the opposite sides. It was like, yep. I was like, oh, oh, it knows me. <laughs> like, I want to, like, I wish it wasn't confined to yes and no questions. So I would be like, how? Yeah. Tell me how. If I like put my ear to the dowsing rod, we'll be able to hear it talk, you know. <laughs> yeah tell me whisper it uh yeah yeah so and i you know i kind of held on to him for a little bit and was asking other you know more personal questions and it was just it was like very quick but then i handed it to nancy who had on purpose closed herself off they wouldn't work for her mm -hmm. at all oh and i would like to say that we the the group that was doing the tarot card readings we're getting the same answers to the questions the dowsing rods were asking and getting answers And they to. were, like, they were not close by. They were on the other side of the, no. the mound. And words cannot describe how dark as shit it yeah. was. It's not like they had to have a flashlight just to read the cards. Yeah, it was 
Because, I mean, this is in the middle of a farm. There's not... There was, like, a streetlight, I think. Um, yeah. But that was the only... Further yeah, away, Yeah, it, it was farther yeah. away. It was down um, a ways by, like, the gravel road. Um, yeah. But up where we were, it was... Besides the flashlights, it was complete darkness. And I yeah. think there is a light um, you yeah. could see from the... In, in the entrance of the cave, I think. There's a light there, but... Also, every time that I would get a really hard answer, my whole body would, like, vibrate. It was so weird. After that session, I gave him back. And I was like, I need to walk away for a second. Just kind of get myself put back together. Because, my God, what was that? And I kind of walked off on my own. And I got that weird, nauseous feeling again in the woods off to my left, I was facing back towards the um, gift shop direction. Mm -hmm. And to my left, I was feeling like that feeling of being watched again. And I came back and I said, something feels weird over there. And they went, yeah, the watcher's in there. Don't worry. He doesn't come out of the woods. I'm like, excuse me. Stop naming them weird things. And those are some of the questions they're asking, too, with the dowsing rods. Like, um, is the watcher the protector and stuff like that? Yeah. And, um, okay, so we did do some 360 EVPs. And what those are is that we would stand in a circle and we would all ask the exact same question. Obviously, waiting a couple seconds after. So we take turns. And... The mentality behind this is maybe they don't want to talk to one person, but they do want to talk to someone else. So if we, you have a better chance of getting an answer if you all ask the same question. And we got at least a sound of something after almost, after almost every time I asked something. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was like, like a what the sound. Yeah, you're right. I do remember. A ha- it it wasn't like an answer to a question, but it was something. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like everyone else could hear it. Like every time we did the 360 EVP, I'm deaf as shit. I can't, I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. I would hear like static or like, like people like moving, but I couldn't hear like any voices besides people talking or like a cough or something. But other people heard something, so... Well, and I found, because I was taking um, recordings on my phone after the fact, and I found that it was easier for me to hear everything when I was wearing headphones. Mm -hmm. So that might be what, you know, it needed. And Shelby kept seeing a man in the tree line. Very, a a very angry man, uh, which I hated. uh, like, I mean, even thinking about it now gives me a stomach ache. Like, I hate it so much. And yeah. then, um, so we all went down to the pond area, and it was very foggy. Yeah. And I'm, like, in the court t- towards the back. Like, I'm starting to get really creeped out. I, I honestly got a nauseous feeling as well in my throat, and I felt very, very mm-hmm. sick. And I wasn't sure if it was I was so scared that I was freaking myself out or <laughs> if it was something else. So I hear Emily say, oh, I see something. And I go, nope, 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 nope. 
I like hide my <laughs> eyes, I avert my eyes, and then her and Todd are like talking about watching shadows and stuff. And um then I realized it was just the four of us with Todd and Leanne kind of hanging around the front. The rest of the group is behind us all looking at something. So yeah. I turn around and as I'm walking up they go, There's people up there on top of the hill. There's people walking back and forth. And I about shat. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And I'll be damned if there was. I mean, clearly because there's a, a light for on the other side of the hill. So it was just a very faint hue. With all the fog in the air. With all the fog. And this was back up. We were like below where the burial site is. So this is back up where the burial site was. And you could see in this like breaking of trees this little section that they were kind of just like walking around. There was no one up there. All the other groups were still either at the cave, at the gift shop or at the cabin. There was no one. I mean, up you would have, we would have seen. And you would have yeah. been able to hear them because it was all gravel up there. So you would have been able to hear their footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. It was silent. Silent Whoa. as a, I just got a horrible feeling again. Uh, Like, I literally, I was wearing a hat, and I literally was hiding my eyes behind my hat brim, because I could not bear to look, because I... The worst part was that we had to walk back through there to get back to the gift shop to go to our next location. (laughs) I was so so nauseous. like, nope, don't look. I was the most nauseous without throwing up I've ever been. It felt like the worst heartburn times, like, four. It was awful. I felt, yeah. I almost like, I almost had to tell Leanne, like, I had to go back early because I felt so bad. But once we got back to the, um, the gift shop, gift I shop? felt fine. And I never felt that sick for the rest yeah. of the night. So again. That's exactly how I feel every time I feel something. But again, I don't know if I was, if I was so terrified. Because yeah. I've never been that scared. Could I've be. never been that scared in my life. And I knew, and I'm telling you guys, if I see something I will die on the spot. I cannot handle being scared. Like, I... She will go into cardiac arrest. I can't. I I can't. I can't. (laughs) See, it wasn't scaring me. Well, and that's... I just... The idea of seeing something that I can't explain for some reason is so terrifying to me. But but you and Shelby, y'all saw stuff and y'all were fine. Y'all didn't die. Us weirdos. (laughs) So, went back to the gift shop, regrouped, on to the cabin, which was also cool. That was pretty okay, cool. Okay, so, when, I don't know if I told you about one of these experiences, Morgan. I'm not sure if I did, but, so we got to the cabin, and we were not allowed to take pictures or videos in the cabin, because there are uh, pieces of furniture, and family heirlooms from the Bell's family that the current Bell family is like loaning to them and they don't want in pictures and stuff. So totally understandable. We absolutely respected that. We were allowed to take audio recordings in there, just no pictures or videos. So 
But they, they were gracious enough that before they shut off all the lights, they let us take a little quick look around at some of the artifacts. Because when it's dark, you can't really appreciate it's it. it's dark. It is dark, and dark. Dark, dark. So it's dark, dark, and it's shoved up against the dark, dark woods. So And so there were fucking mannequins yeah. in this freaking cabin. <laughs> And I'm terrified of mannequins. I was more scared of the mannequins than I was anything else the on The entire that time, I was like, one of these mannequins is going to move and I'm going to shit. <laughs> I swear to God, the one in the kitchen, her eyes glowed. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and why did nobody tell us about the small children mannequins I upstairs? Know. Why did I walk up the stairs and nearly shit myself from seeing a little kid at a Every time we went into a room, I had to ask uh, Ernie. And Denny's like, are there mannequins in here? And I go, yes. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) I, like, shine a flashlight on them. Like, okay, where are they? I'm marking their locations in my mind. And if they move, I'm out of here. (laughs) Gotta write them on a map so you know if they move. So... So we're looking around at these artifacts and I'm just kind of wandering around and looking and I turn to my left and I look down and in a glass case is all of the arrowheads and pieces of pottery and all that that they had found on the property. Tell me why the second my eyes landed on those, my eyes started to water, I couldn't breathe. And that feeling came back again. I mean, I was literally about to hyperventilate just looking at them. Wow. And I'm like, I've never had an experience like that before. You didn't tell me about Normally that. things, like if they're emotionally invoking, they're like, oh, well, that, that sits deep with me. I've never been like, my, I'm about to cry and I can't breathe. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, that's thing. crazy. And yeah, you didn't tell me about that. This is the first time hearing it. Yeah, I think I told Shelby at the time, and then we got into other things, and I never got the opportunity, and then just kind of forgot. But um, I was like, I I had to, I literally left the room. Then I just turned around and left the whole room. I wasn't even done looking mm-hmm. at stuff, but I had to leave. So we started the investigation, and we started it in the what was it? The parents' bedroom. So. There was um, <laughs> the creepiest. There was a man in the bed and a lady like hovering over him. Yeah, like him. leaning over him. It was awful. Oh, I hated it. It was a weird mannequin. So they had a flashlight, an EMF reader, and they had some like some cat the... toys, like a cat ball. Yeah. Like if once you move it, it yeah. like glows lights. Yeah, they're literally cat toys that when they move the lights come on. And they're very sensitive. So very sensitive. So, um, so we had a little bit of communication on the first floor with the flashlight. So the way that works, it's one of those twisty flashlights, like a miniature mag light. And you would twist it to where it's just off. I mean, just off to where you barely have to twist it and it would come on. So with, with it in the off position, you set it down, you walk away from it and you tell the spirit yes or no questions again yes to turn it on or no to leave it off so we had some communication 
I forget what he asked exactly, but he did like the flashlight a lot. Yeah, it wouldn't use anything else. And then it... Yeah. And then it just kind of felt like all of a sudden nothing was there. So we moved on to the attic. We had stopped getting communications at that point. And the attic is where the children slept. And I guess did schoolwork because there were like desks and stuff. And a very concerted man sitting at the desk. Who had no shoes. Yeah, I was going to say he was barefoot. And they had like little children <laughs> mannequins and it was so creepy. The creepiest. They were all looking at you. Just heard a noise in the next room. No matter where you were. I just heard a noise in the next room and I was like, oh. I think Kyle's walking around in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm so scared. <laughs> so scary. So, yeah, this cat better not come back up behind me. I might die. Uh... So, apparently, uh, this is the funniest one, and I laughed at the coffee shop when I was writing, like, typing all this out. That, do you remember the, uh, the titty yes. joke? Yes. That was... <laughs> and the flashlight started flickering like it like was it laughing, was laughing. <laughs> So, um, Denise went over to, like, fix the everything, and as she was coming back over, like, you had to step over a half wall and a bench to get back onto where we were sitting, and Ernie was helping her over, and she went, hey, don't touch my titty. And everyone started laughing, <laughs> and the light flickered like it was laughing. It was so creepy. <laughs> and I hadn't hey, done that at all. Everybody likes a good, everybody likes a good titty yeah. job. And it was very funny, <laughs> but it hadn't flickered like that at all. No, it hadn't. It hadn't flickered. Like, you could tell when it was trying to turn it on, and it would flicker a little bit to get it on, but it was almost like it was on purpose. Like, it was prolonged flickering. Like, the entire, like, for the duration of our laughing. And it was far away. It wasn't, like, the vibrations from our voices could have. It was, we, none of us were facing it, and it was probably, like, what, like, 15 feet away? At least 15 feet away. I have racked my brain trying to figure out how those flashlights could be manipulated and i cannot figure out how they could be and it was in response to questions yeah like it never turned on without a question occurring yeah it was only on questions and not even all of the questions like it was just very specific we were asking questions like are you a child was this your room? And other various things. It did not want to use any of the other equipment. It didn't use the cat balls at all. It just used the flashlight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Morgan, you felt that push. Oh, yeah. Like I forgot about that. I got poked in the back. And I was trying to figure out if it was just like my skin being weird. But it felt like a very gentle poke in my shoulder blade. And... Like, literally the rest of the night, I was so itchy all over because my skin was just, like, anticipating being touched again. And, like, every nerve was firing at all, like, full blast for the rest of the night. It's like, it's like when you find a tick on you and you're like, oh my god, I'm covered in ticks now. and you're just so itchy. Yeah. But it, it was a poke. And actually, this isn't the Bell Witch Cave, but the, um, I was in Charleston, South Carolina at a museum. And I was wearing, yeah. like, this little, like, a shirt tied around my waist. And I felt the gentlest tug <gasps> tugging my shirt. 
And it wasn't he Kyle is too far away and he was the only other person in the room. So things like to touch my back and I hate that. <laughs> and when we were at the cabin and I got poked in the shoulder, no one was around me. I was probably like four inches from the wall. Yeah. So no one could have snuck behind me. Um, no, and it was dark and it was loud. You would have heard somebody yeah. if they tried to come up. It was just a behind it was you. just a wood cabin. Yeah, it, it creaks. I mean, I'm in a wooden house and it creaks. You can't sneeze in this house without it creaking. Yeah, the cabin was even worse because it was what three hundred years old now, two hundred. Yeah, about two hundred years old. Yeah, Jesus. So. I did take some recordings, and in the one that I named Bedroom One in Cabin, and I'll try to put these in here as best as I can so y'all can hear them as well. I don't know how well you're going to be able to hear them, but I will do my best to put them in there so we can all have our opinions about them. So, to the question of... Were you here before the Bell family? Oh, I lied. You can hear the monitor go off in the background in the oh, recording. Yeah. So it did touch one of the it was like a, little monitor things. Yeah, it was like a like a green, like, you know, woo, 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 or something. Like a little siren. Yeah, something like that. And um, the flashlight came on again. There's a, there's a little ball. Here on this desk, if you just get close to it, it'll light up. Another one on the bed. There's another one on the bed. There's also a, a little black box on the bed. Oh, there's a flashlight. You found the flashlight. Hello. Thank you. Can you turn that back on again, please? You saw how to do it. Can you do it again one time? Just to let me know that it's really you. There you go. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that was cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is this a member of the Bell family that turned the light on? If it is, can you turn it on again, please, to let me know? Okay. Were you here before the Bell family? Okay. Apparently so. Um, and it it was hard to hear over people moving and talking. I feel like if I had one critique, it was that that we needed to make it clear that if you were not in a active like thing don't be walking around downstairs yeah or don't be walking around when other people are trying to record and find evidence because the sounds can be very faint and it's easy to miss them yeah 
if you're clomping around. Because we stuck pretty close to the investigators the entire time. Like, yeah. every group of investigators we, we were with. Because um, we wanted to participate in the investigation. And you could absolutely go on and do your own thing. But there were people downstairs while we were upstairs that were talking and laughing and moving around. And it did kind of take away from, like, when we were trying to do a 360 EVP yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely. But out of the whole night, that's the only complaint I have. Maybe the hill going down to the cave, but that's not their fault. Uh, <laughs> so when we were upstairs, I do have recordings of us. I mean, obviously you can't hear a flashlight being turned on, but you can hear us react to it. Um, react to it. Now I did, and I haven't told you this either. At about two minutes and 17 seconds into the recording, I hear a male whisper, yeah, after being asked if he can turn the light back on. It there, Listen, and, and I'm being playing devil's advocate here. There were other people. There were people downstairs. It just doesn't sound like anything else, any of the other voices in any of the other recordings. Who's up here with us? Can you... Okay. <laughs> we know someone's here. Can you maybe light up one of the other pieces of equipment now? I'm thoroughly spooked. I literally have her like eyes are as big as saucers. Chills going up and down my back, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> oh, I hate it, it. I hate 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 it. And so that's really um, cool. And in the last few minutes of that recording, someone there's a whisper that says, "He's coming," <gasps> but. It's so loud. It very well could have just been someone in the room, but like, please don't whisper creepy things while we're doing a recording. Oh my god, the my my heart is in my ass. Oh, I hate it. Do you hear it? It's really um disjointed. It's like in like the the dead space of him talking. It's like he's yeah, he's coming. Oh 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 oh! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a completely involuntary reaction. listen to all of them yet oh my god i might be adding more before these get posted that's fine we'll scare our listeners Ooh. Ah. i hate it oh i want to scream <laughs> okay so <clears throat> we went back to the gift shop and then on to third location the cave. The cave. The cave. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, 
the cave. <laughs> and you like did a little bounce with it. I'm I'm a cowboy now. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So like I said before, the burial is above the cave. Um poor Zach. Poor Zach walked us into the cave, back out halfway up this steep-ass hill to turn the lights off, back into the cave. We did the investigation. He walked back up to turn the lights back on, on the way out, right? And this cave is rocky. Like, once the lights are out, you can't see where you're going. He had a flashlight, but, like, if you misstep, you're a sprained ankle, at least. I didn't need that. No. Um, so... We got back to the gift shop that night, and I am skipping ahead just a little bit. And Candy goes, hey, remind me next time to tell you how to turn the lights off from inside the cave. <laughs> As if he hadn't Zach made that like walk still- six times at least that night. Six times that night. And Zach was still sitting there, like, breathing hard, and he's like, What? <laughs> Poor guy. And he was have done it okay. nine times because he walks down. He would walk up, walk yeah. back, walk up, walk back, and walk up back to the hill to the gift shop. He repeated it three times. Oh my god! Because he would go back to the gift shop every time with the group. Yeah. No, that poor man. <laughs> that poor man. So, okay, so the lights are off. Zach is back from his journey. Yes. And <laughs> while the lights are off, wh- see what had happened was we go into the room <laughs> and it's like, a, it's really kind of weird. You can tell where the water flows through and it's kind of cut a groove with like a circular shape in the first room, in room number one. And the sides have like, kind of ridges that slope slightly and they were like look we're gonna turn the lights off you're gonna be in complete darkness sit down yeah so you don't fall yeah sit down so we had to sit on the edges so we're all very stationary and shelby found a rock to sit on she's like this looks like a nice rock to sit on well, she had her leg propped up on, like, another rock beside her. The lights shut off, and no one is around She's her. She's completely by herself. By herself. Her, legs get, her leg gets pushed off that rock. Like, pushed off the rock. <laughs> Morgan's convulsing. Oh, like, it's... <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> She's like, I swear to God, if I have, like, a ghost bruise tomorrow, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> And Morgan and I, as much as you didn't want to, you um, kept hearing sounds. We both kept hearing, like, sounds behind us. And, of course, we're in a cave. It wasn't water dripping. We know what that sounds like. And it almost sounded like um, someone moving or, like, hitting two rocks, like, clicking together. Yeah, it honest- The sound of rocks clicking. I honestly don't know. It potentially to be devil's advocate potentially were, of course yes please we're bats in the cave and yeah. i can definitely imagine how the clicking we were hearing was like their nails 
I did think cave, about that as well. On the rock. It could have been that. Because yeah. we even saw a bat, like, fly out of the cave. Yes. Um, we heard <sighs> a hum. <sighs> and, again, to be devil's advocate, we're sitting here in the dark, and the one of the paranormal, I forgot her name, but she said, can someone, like, make a noise or tell us you're in here or something like that? And then we heard a, like a, yep. and it was loud. Everyone heard it and no one fessed up to it. So of course it could have been somebody in the group doing it just to be funny in the group, but no one fessed up to it. And I feel like if that's something they, that someone did, there probably would have been giggles following probably because i mean everyone there was an adult like i feel like me and you were the youngest people there besides like the daughter of i think like candy's daughter yeah and probably yeah. the investigators well, shelby's younger than us yeah. but yeah but i mean like us like yeah but uh, yeah our group yeah yeah we we were the i think um, the youngest everyone else was older than us i think yeah i'm not saying that like older so, People can't be immature or like play pranks or anything, but it of course. just that wasn't the vibe I got. Like I feel like everyone mm-hmm. had already experienced something paranormal that night, um, especially when they were watching the figures walk in the the yeah. burial mound. But I know I lost my shit <laughs> when I heard yeah. that. Hum. You she we were sitting next to each other because I ain't about to be in the dark in a cave without a friend. So we're sitting next to each other and she starts, the hum happened and she starts blindly smacking my leg and looking for my hand. And the lights come back on and we're holding hands. like Until we get up. Until we get up, we're still holding hands. She has a death grip on my fingers. You were not letting go, and I wasn't going to let you. I appreciate that, because I needed someone. I love you. I was so scared. (laughs) (laughs) And so we did another 360 EVP, and Morgan, you said you heard a low yes, but nobody else seemed to. Yeah, that was really weird. So the first... I think the person next to me was the first person to ask a question, or it was after I asked a question. I can't remember. Um, I think it was either me or you, because we typically were right next to each other. Yeah, but I heard a voice go, yes, and no one else reacted to it. And I don't know if at that time someone else in the group said yes at that moment. I know no one said it prior to the recording. um, Yeah. Because we would have heard it. And right. it was just us. We're all in a cave. Like, there's, we were all there. So that was really weird. And I don't know what was going on with that. But yeah. no one else reacted to it. So I was like, am I crazy? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. And I, I re-listened to the one that I had. And I didn't hear it. And I felt a light push on my back, too, with, like, a finger. Mm. In the cave, though, not the cabin. Okay. So it was, like, a upper shoulder blade kind of a thing. and okay the necrophonics was an interesting thing Mm -hmm. what do you think about the necrophonics i don't know i thought it was kind of 
it was creepy, but I thought yeah. myself, I thought it was a little silly. Um, cause yeah. it, it was just an app on a phone, but the, the, our tour guides were like, I mean, we've heard some crazy things on it. Um, yeah. so if they, and they did, I'm sorry. They did start out by saying, we know it's got mixed reviews, but some of the things that we have heard line up with actual dates that we had been able to verify. Yeah. So we're going to give it a try. I mean, it was creepy as hell. Like it, it was terrifying oh to listen to, but I, yeah. I thought it was like, I don't know. That was just, that's my own personal opinion of it. Yeah, I agree. I'm in the same boat with you, but I did listen to the 23 minute recording that we took doing the necrophonics and we got some interesting things. So let's run through that. So about seven minutes and 35 seconds into this recording, Zach asks, can you walk towards us? One, don't ask that. No, you say, can you walk away from us? (laughs) Go away, please. Thank you. Can you throw a rock or something, but don't come closer. And it does kind of sound like someone is walking on those rocks when we were all in the dark sitting still and you can hear us say did anybody somebody said did anyone hear that like in the recording can you walk towards us I'm just convulsing over so, here as I'm like talking. I know about it. she's. Oh my god! I wish we had recorded this. So <laughs> no, I'm making the worst faces. <laughs> so at 12:55 into the recording, um, someone asked, "Are you the protector to this land?" And this was on Necrophonics at this point, and it sounded like it answered, "Yeah." Sorry. Go ahead and ask that question one more time. Are you the protector of this land? Yeah. yeah. At 13.25, they had asked, um, do you protect the people? And I don't think it really said anything. It said, do you protect the land itself? And it said, yeah. Wow, that was a very strong answer. Thank you. Is there a red light behind you guys? Yeah. Oh, there is. A red pile. Who do you protect on this land? Or do you protect the land itself? Yeah. And then at 13.54, I asked, are you mad about what happened to your body? Thinking about the skeleton man. That we were sitting right next to. We were sitting right next Literally, to an open grave. to our left. Like two feet away. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and the answer really sounds like, don't know, have not, and then it kind of trails off a little bit. 
So, I don't know what he doesn't know. He don't know if he's mad or not. Why did you ask that question you asked earlier? Are you mad about what happened to your body? Fourteen twelve into the recording, it said, who disturbed this place? And it said a bunch of things, but one of the words that it said was the devil. Who disturbed this uh, resting place in Italy? Don't like that. Nope. Um, I hate it. Yeah. And it also said a lot of nonsensical, like it just says sometimes just nonsensical noises and words. And then you'll get like a word out here. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, no, like that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, 14 minutes, 50 seconds in. <clears throat> How many spirits are with us? And it sounds like many at one point. How many spirits are in this room with us? And 17 minutes and 30 seconds is is this cave sacred? And it said, no. And then they asked, was it sacred? And it said, yes. And then they asked, is it not sacred anymore? And it made a lot of nonsensical answers. And then it said, no. So I don't know what happened. Is it sacred? Was it sacred? Yes. Is it not sacred anymore? I know. <laughs> um, and then eighteen minutes and five seconds in. Is the haunting of the Bell Witch a true story? And it had a firm no on that. Is the haunting of the Bell Witch a true story? Oh. No. No. Which is weird. Yeah. And then, yeah, 1851, how many spirits are buried in this cave? And it sounded like, I think, too many. How many spirits are buried in this cave? Oh, I hate that. So that's all I have on our personal or our experiences. Uh, what are your thoughts as to what we found at the cave compared to 
the story of the witch? So there was one story that I remember reading that did occur in the cave. So the children were playing and I think they told, they told this story um, when we went to the cave, but the, the children were playing and one boy got stuck, like really, really, really stuck. The other children weren't going to be able to get him out. The book described it like being in quicksand and they heard the spirit say, like, I'll get you out. And then it, like, yanked him up by his feet. Um, I didn't annotate it in the book, so I, I have no idea where it's at. But that's yeah. essentially what happened. I think they told us that story in um, the – when we went to the cave. But yeah. it really – the cave itself isn't really – a big part of the bell witch story. Um, Cause most of the events happen in the, the cabin, the original bell yeah. home or on the land just in general. Um, and other houses and homes in the area, the, the spirit went to and talked with people living there. Um, so, it's very interesting that when we were listening to the necrophonics, the response to is the bell witch story true was no. That was that was yeah. very interesting. And if that was an actual response, like what about it isn't true? Is it not a witch? Is it is the entire story fabricated? You know, to what degree is it not true yeah. if that was an answer? I think something was going on. I personally don't think it was a witch i don't either in the terms of it being a witch um i think it was probably um pissed off spirits native american spirits that um didn't like john for some reason or maybe didn't you know like the family or you know i don't know why exactly but it feels like that they felt disrespected yeah. on the land. So that's what I think it could be. But do we want to hear what Candy thinks it could be? I think so. So we sat down the day after our visit. Um, we moved to bed very late and woke up pretty early <laughs> to be able to go back to the farm um, and we got to have an interview with Candy, and she told us all about her life on the farm and what her thoughts are. So, yeah, we're going to listen to that now. Uh, my name's Candy Hooten, and my mom is the owner of the Bellwitch Cave Farm, and me, my brother, and my sister, um, Melinda Savage and Brian Kirby, are now the owners of the business. Since my mom retired, they've owned the farm for 30 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And how how did y'all come about buying the property? Like, did, did your parents just, like, find the listing for it for sale and just buy it? Believe it or not, yes. Um, my parents were both off from work one day, and my mom had an old copy of a little paper called the thrifty nickel okay. and it was where people would like sit kind of like a newspaper version of like marketplace yeah. you know yeah 
Um, people would post things in there and they were just talking about what they were going to do for the rest of the day. And one of them was like, Hey, the Bellwitch K farms for sale. Like, let's go look at it. And of course, the next thing I know, my parents are like, we're moving to the Bellwitch K farm. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) You know, it it was shocking because I grew up hearing different stories about the witch, none of which was right, but Mm -hmm. still it was kind of scary moving here, but exciting because... It's a hundred acre farm, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. How old were you? I was twelve when we moved here. Wow. Same age as Betsy when the haunting started. Oh yeah. <laughs> connections. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not the whole original farm, is that right? Or the hundred acres that we have here. Originally John Bell had bought two hundred and twenty acres. And after John Bell died, this this half of the farm got broke off into a child's portion. Okay. And it was one of the children, actually it was Betsy and her husband, Richard, Mm because women couldn't own property back then. So Richard Powell uh, owned it. And then it kind of switched a few hands, but it didn't come out of the Bell family until about the mid-1800s. Okay. But, of course, this 100 acres has pretty much stayed intact. Um, it used to be a little bit bigger, and I think a few acres was sold off here and there. But mm-hmm. okay. Um, earlier you mentioned that you grew up hearing a lot of things about the witch that weren't exactly true. One of our questions is, what are some things about you know the the legend or the property that? Maybe no one else knows, but since you've lived here your entire life, you know, like maybe some truth to the legend, if that makes sense. Um, there has been a lot of different things that we have heard over the years. And of course, none of it really can be verified. Now, I know when Brent Monahan came out with his book, American Haunting, the movie was based off of it about you know, John Bell was molesting his daughter. Mm -hmm. Evidently that there was rumor to that, but I just don't, I don't see that that would be the cause of the haunting because Mm -hmm. thing, unfortunately things like that go on all the time. And I just don't see what, like why this family, why now, you know, I do think that there is something more to the haunting, like maybe a piece of the puzzle that we don't know of Mm -hmm. why, but, I guess we'll never figure that out. (laughs) Is there anything else about kind of what the generally accepted story is about the the witch and the haunting that you're like, this is malarkey? (laughs) um... Um, I I have an issue with Kate Batts being the witch. Um, that, that is something that, of course, because the spirit said that she was nothing more nor less than Kate Batts' witch, um, everybody through, down through the years has kind of taken, you know, Kate, it's Kate, it's Kate, mm-hmm. it's Kate. And, oh, Kate's up to some of her old tricks again, you know, that sort of thing. Even a lot of the people in town, you know, still call it Kate, which, I mean, it gives it a name, but I don't think Kate had anything to do with it. I think maybe she was just an eccentric woman, and she, of course, she was related to the Bells. Um, she was Lucy Bell's niece. A lot of people didn't know that, um, but I just think this thing was much too powerful to be the witch of somebody. Right. 
um, the things that it could do was just completely unheard of. Even now, yeah. if if the spirit was to present itself, the things that she could do is just completely unheard of. Yeah. Do you think there was an a witch, or do you think maybe it was just a different kind of entity, restless spirit, or maybe one of the natives that were buried here or something along those lines that was feeling disrespected by the family? Um, that is definitely what m- my parents believe, uh, was that it was, had something to do with the Native Americans mm-hmm. and that even possibly the cave was tied in that maybe they opened some sort of portal. Right. And because of like the strange pictures that we've had where a lot of people have, you know, there's a portal in the cave, there's a portal in the cave, um, that maybe the Native Americans done some sort of ritual or something and maybe opened it up um i have a slightly different view um i know i've talked to several people that know a lot about spirits and different entities because i'm by no means a professional but it does seem to have all the earmarks of a gin spirit yeah okay because they like dark secluded places like caves and (laughs) They like to play tricks. They could shapeshift. And of course, about the, the spirit Me of either. the Bell Witch yeah. had all of those. And of course, you could even tie that in with you can capture a gin and make it do your bidding. Mm-hmm. Somebody could have had something against the Bell family and done that. Or if you, if a gin ever gets loose, then it's not going to be very happy with you. So, right. Like, I just kind of look at both sides of like the capturing of a gin. Yeah. Know, the, yeah. There was one, one legend that says John actually grabbed hold of the witch. Is that not, is that right? William Porter. William he was Porter. a neighbor okay. of the bells and he felt, he heard the witch talk and got in bed with him and he grabbed it, wrapped it in the blanket and was carrying it to the fireplace to burn the witch. And it started getting heavier and heavier and a foul odor was coming out of the blankets um, to the point where he he couldn't take it no more and couldn't hold it anymore. Yeah. So he dropped it and ran out of the house. Um, and, of course, I'm sure she probably thinks she made a joke about, like, you can't get rid of me that easy. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything you can tell us about the Bell family? I know they're probably pretty, you know, so what's the word I'm looking for? Private people? Yes, they're very, very private. Um, the current Bell family. Yeah. Um, anything legally that you can <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, us about. We don't want to pry. We just want to know, like, are they, do do they put stock into the story? Are they involved at all with all of this? Well, I think um, Bob Bell is one of the main direct descendants that I know. And, like, he does interviews, and he'll he'll talk about a lot about the Bell Witch. His dad, Carney, was also a great guy and um, would talk a lot about the Bell Witch and had some, pr- they both had some pretty cool stories. Um, some of the other descendants, I think they're more interested in, obviously they're interested in the story of the Bell Witch, but they are also very interested in their genealogy. Yeah. Um, the, you know, kind of like when you're tracing your family tree back and so-and-so is in the Civil War and they are very interested in and wrapped up in their family. 
Um, but as far as like being very public with the story of the Bell Witch, I don't really feel like that they don't want to be too much in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And where, where was the original house? Was it on the other? It's on what is still owned by the Bells, okay. which I didn't mention the 220 acres. This part was given in a child's portion. The other half is still owned by the Bell family. Okay. And from what we understand, there's a clause on it that says it cannot be sold out of the Bell family. Okay. And that's where the house was, the cemetery is, mm-hmm. and the well is. Okay. And is the house, the current, the original house, it's not still standing, is no, it? No, it was torn down in the mid-1800s. Okay. Okay. Is there, because um, I know that was the centerpiece of a lot of the events that happened. Like, do the, do does activity still kind of hover around that specific area where the cabin was, or is, has it been dispersed <laughs> among the property? Well, because we don't own that property, yeah, right. we don't really know, like, how much activity, and plus where the Oak Bell house was is just a field now. So, right, yeah. Um, I feel like it's not just the cave. It's not just the, this farm or that farm. It's, I think there's a lot of activity just in this area in general. We've had things happen all over this farm, a lot in my mom's house and a lot in the cave. Um, but things tend to happen everywhere. Strange things, even yeah. up in Adams. So yeah. what's the, what's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you here? Um, in the cave one time, me and my mom was breaking rocks and after the winter months, it levels out all the rocks to Mm -hmm. where you have to go in there and rake them to one side where the water can flow out. Yeah. And it's very loud and time consuming and hot and (laughs) (laughs) everything. But, um, we were in the cave breaking rocks and I stopped for a minute and, I could hear my mom down the hallway breaking rocks. And then down the other hallway, I started hearing what sounded like somebody joining in. Yeah, I mean, it was really loud, but there wasn't a pause between rakes. It was just the constant noise of rocks moving. And it was so loud that, like, it started getting closer and closer and louder and louder. And I could see down the hallway, so I should have sent been able to see what was causing it but I didn't see anything so I ran yeah (laughs) I would have to yeah I ran down to my mom and I was like mom we gotta get out of here somebody's in here and she's like the candy the gate she's calm because she doesn't hear it but she's like the candy the gate was like I'm like mom somebody's in here to listen and the dog was with her and the dog like even raced up and perked his ears up and she heard it and we both ran out of the cave or he unlocked the gate, and she's like, Candy, there can't be anybody else in there. They would have had to come in from a different entrance, and then seeing the lights, they would have been hollering for you. Why would they try to scare you, you know? And I was like, well, you heard it, you know? Yeah. Um, later, she talked me into going back in there. <laughs> um, we stayed side by side, and we get halfway down the second hallway, and the dog goes around the corner and starts growling. Like, hair standing up on his back, showing his teeth. And, of course, we peek around the corner, and we don't see anything there. Call the dog to us, and he stays between 
me and her, my feet, or her feet, like, the rest of the time. And, of course, it was like, just hurry up and get it done and get out, you know. Wow. That is very scary. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And was was there any part where you were like, I don't want to do this anymore because it's so scary? Or were you always just like, we'll push through it and, like, get it done? (laughs) There has been times on tours where uh, I've told the people on the tour, like, I'm ready to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Fortunately, I've never left <laughs> left them in there. Yeah, but, um, there has been a few times where I'm like, I'm I'm ready to go, um, and of course they they were too. They just yeah. didn't realize it at the time. They're like, you know, keep hearing noises, and they're like, okay, yeah, we're yeah, we want to go. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's ever been a point to where I'm just like, yeah, I'm never doing it again. Yeah, I I really. Have always loved the story, the history. I've always enjoyed doing tours, um, and it, it's just—it's one of those things that I guess after it happens, you know that you can go back down there later, and it's a different feel to it. A different feel to yeah. it, and you—it well, might be a while before something else happens. And it's like okay, you never know when it's going to happen, so. Just kind of go with it until <laughs> yeah, until it does. <laughs> right. What is the worst rock story that you've heard? Maybe the most, the one that kind of scared you the most, or was more impactful than the others. Um, there was a woman that took a rock out, and her husband was killed the next day. Now, granted, he was in the military and overseas, and it was a war zone, but. To me, like, as far as coincidence, to me, it's like she takes a rock out one night and then just hours later, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. It seems like there is another letter in there where somebody's husband died. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- to me, that's that's one of those things where you'd probably never forgive yourself, you know, yeah. taking a rock out and a, yeah. a loved one die. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have heard of stories of where it might not be anything major, but it's just back to back to back to back where just things just keep happening mm-hmm. to people to where they, they send, uh, um, send rocks back. If people are far away, like would, would they mail rocks back or do they need to like put them back themselves or? Well, actually we've had a lot of rocks mailed back over the years. And of course we always put them back in the cave um because we don't want them no yeah <laughs> um don't want that some people us. <laughs> have came back up here and went on another tour just to put the rock back um and then some people have left them on the fence post out front <laughs> they don't even want to come close and of course we yeah. kind of get the hint when you find some random rocks mm-hmm. you know yeah um on a fence post so we're like okay gotta those are meant to be put back in the cave. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if you donate rocks, do you get good luck? <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if everybody took rocks, we wouldn't have to rake the rocks, you know, every year. Yeah. <laughs> but that doesn't always, you know, the the case. And of so course, you don't want us to donate rocks. You don't want more to rake. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, yes. No. Don't want more to rake. <laughs> 
and you would think, I mean, I know there is a lot of rocks that's washed out of the cave yeah. mm-hmm. during floods and stuff, but I feel like I have looked at the same rocks for the last 30 years, especially the bigger ones that are in the floor of the cave. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they might be in a different spot, I have, I've seen them for the last 30 years. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's it, all yeah. of Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for being such a gracious hostess to yeah. us. How did y'all enjoy the paranormal investigation last night? I had so many experiences. I like this is my these are our notes from all the things that happened last night. Oh, and wow. that's just like Cliff Notes version. It was so cool. We've never done like a paranormal thing like this before. Um, I mean, I had experiences as a kid and like the home I was growing up in. And I've always been interested, but I never, like, sought out going to do something like this. And this was wonderful. This was so cool. Yeah, it was... I'm a big scaredy cat, and especially when we were on the burial ground, I got really, really scared. (laughs) I was like, I can't, like... Other people were looking at shadow figures. I was like, I'm not looking. I'm not going to invite that in, but... Yeah. It was still a real We heard a hum experience. in the cave and she was sitting next to me and in the dark she was like, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I was like, no, nope, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. <laughs> um, um, well, Black Wolf Paranormal, the, I, I had went to one of their investigations and mm-hmm. I really liked how they set everything up and how how they, or, you know, organized everything and that they don't provoke or yeah, use Ouija right. boards or anything like that. And that, that I'm really glad that we get to work with them because they I think were really wonderful. I like that they don't let you provoke, even if like someone they said they'll kick you out. I'm like, good for you because yeah. being disrespectful is just not. not well, it's kind of like this: if people come here for an investigation and somebody's provoking, we're left with that. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. You want to leave things just as good, if not better, than how you found them. So. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to end it here. Okay. Thanks again, Candy, oh, you're for welcome. agreeing to interview with us. So what did you think of that? That interview? Um, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think she had some seriously good points, especially about the gin. And um, that is something I had never even thought about before. But it, I have heard because I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I have heard on other podcasts people talk about what the gin is, their lore. Yeah. And I think that she made some really good points on that. Yeah. And, I mean, it is a very important aspect of several different cultures and religions. Um, yeah. That believe that gin are real. And it's kind of, I don't know. I keep on saying, like, poltergeisty nature. Like, it's very, yeah, you know, rambunctious, I guess. Um, yeah. Cruel at times. Yeah. That kind of aligns with and what we've heard. They, they can be controlled, but you don't want them... To, you don't want to control one, because if it gets loose... It's not good, yeah. N- not good. And I think it's really cool that she knew about the um the stories and the legends of the bell witch and then her family just came home one day it was like guess what we bought the bell farm (laughs) at 12 years old she was the same age as betsy that is crazy 
Well, I'm glad it liked her. Yeah, it only... It did scare her in the cave that one time, but... <laughs> she She's had a pretty, pretty mild experience with the entity, yeah, whatever seriously. it is. And it doesn't... Nothing... Just her aura or her, you know, whole vibe is like, she is not scared of this place. She... You could tell she loves this place oh, yeah. so much. It's in her bones. Yeah. Bones. It's bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all, thanks for hanging in there with us with this one. This was so much fun. We wish you could have been there. Next time we'll all go. We should do like, yeah, I was about to say, next year we should do a, uh, like, exclusive Patreon supporter ghost hunt for October. Yes. I I think that is a great idea. There's plenty of places around a lot of people that have ghosts. I don't know. I'm starting to get to that part of the episode where my brain is starting to just shut down and <laughs> I can't talk anymore. Yeah, I think I think my brain's shutting off too. So um, So when our Patreon unle- unleashes <laughs> When, when we unleash the Patreon <laughs> unto the world to destroy all kingdoms. <laughs> we will rule all with our Patreon. Um, please <laughs> want Patreon to rule them all. <laughs> please consider okay. subscribing. That's it. You subscribe to Patreon. Give us right? your money. Yeah. Well, we have, we'll Give have special money. things planned for you guys. Um, not necessarily more episodes like this, but like special episodes, bonus episodes every month. Yeah. Um, if we do get a chance to interview someone, we will likely um, air that as a bonus episode. And you'll definitely want to come hear actual experts talk about subjects. <laughs> yeah. The equipped people. Yes. Um. So please, please, please. And yes. And honestly, the more supporters we have, Everything that's coming from this Patreon is going, we're pumping it back into Illiquid history. Yeah. So everything that you give us is going to make this podcast better. Yes. And it's going to equip us better, honestly. Because we need to be a little bit more equipped. A little more equipped. Again, everything is out of pocket right now. Like if a microphone breaks, we have to pay for that. Where like... Yeah. Once we get our Patreon up and running and we do have the funds, we can upgrade, use that money to upgrade to better equipment so we sound better. My my yeah. S's aren't breaking your ears. <laughs> and we can um, afford to do more cool things like the Bell Witch Cave. Yeah. Because we paid for all of that out of pocket as well. So. Yeah. And it was, a, it was very fun, but it was expensive. <laughs> it was, it was expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for the hotel points. Yes. That was, <laughs> Big shout that out was to much Mom. appreciated. Um, yeah, because things cost money. And, you know, money will allow us to... So give us yours. <laughs> <laughs> really know how to sell it to the people, Emily. I, I do. No. I'm a salesman. We are going to make it I'm worth not. your while. Like, when we, we get are. funds, we are going to have, like, merchandise for you guys. We want we want to have, like, everything the big podcasts have. T-shirts and mugs and stickers and a website. But 
you need money to do that and we have none yeah <laughs> also I promise you, if we get famous enough, we'll go on live tour. We want to meet all oh, of you. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine touring? Okay, so you mean to tell me we would do an episode of the podcast and then get to drink with everyone? That sounds uh, like... This sounds... A, a great Parte. Parte, hate. <laughs> you mean I could tell literally everyone in that room facts about beer that they already know <laughs> thanks to us? <laughs> I can talk about the soda fountain. Yes! I'll look up why and how it was and how carbonated water was invented just for you guys at the live She'll events. She'll do it. She'll do it. <laughs> we'll we'll write out pamphlets and everything and hand them out. <laughs> oh, so, you know, you know what to do. Like, share, email us. Yes, please. Podcast. Please. Yes. We've been getting some emails and they've been wonderful. Thank you guys. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. The links are in the show notes. Um, we may have a TikTok coming out soon. We're old, so we're trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, we're basically basically in nursing homes at this point. We're <laughs> we're so old. <laughs> This like, new fangled technology. Might need, I might need my six-year-old son to show me how to work any of this shit. Yeah. Again. We'll just get Corey to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. She, she's our She knows computers. Yeah. She's the ultimate scientist. She can help us figure it out. No, I keep telling her about once a year. I'm like, Corey, when are you going to invent teleportation? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, I've got places to go. Yeah. I'm going to see her. I'm going to go up and see her. I'm I'm jealous. Break. You can come in my suitcase. Okay. <laughs> can, can I come in, like, a seat? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I don't think you have a suitcase big enough for my thickness. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck getting it zipped around my ass. I'll just put it on top of your head. <laughs> I'll put rollerblades on and just act like I'm the <laughs> the suitcase. Jack is coming with me. Oh, so you're driving? Yeah. Um, I need to bring his kennel, and I can't wait. So there's no reason for me to be in a suitcase. No, I can just sit in a car seat. You'll still be in a like suitcase. A seat of a car. No, you'll still be in a suitcase. <laughs> okay, thanks. Can I at least have a box? Sure, that's fine. Thanks. You can go in the trunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> With the kennel. No, I'll put you in the kennel. In the trunk. <laughs> Jack's kennel. My Thanks. my 13 pound dog's kennel. <laughs> it ain't gonna work. Square peg round hole. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. We should probably let these people go. Yeah, home. it's been over two hours at this point, so I'm sure they're sick of hearing us. <laughs> Do you know what my dad says when he's ready for people to go home? He'll look at my mom and just be like, well, it's time to go to bed and let these good people go home. And then he leaves <laughs> the room. That's amazing. <laughs> See, your dad and my mom are kindred spirits because yeah. in multiple locations in her house, she has, she says, welcome to our home. Please leave by nine. 
<laughs> and not just one area, multiple places in her house. Okay, for real, we should probably mm, yeah, go. We just yeah. talk for another four minutes. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs>